0: Uh, Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of what we're listening to. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, my name is Josh, and with me is my good friend and Icelandic gibberish translator, Asher, how are you, sir?
1: Good, man. It's been a a, a podcast episode for kind of Scandinavian slash uh, other interesting languages you'll see later.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) I, yeah, we'll get to that, but started to get on my nerves a little bit by the end of the week. (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, I have a, a small quiz for you, sir, and I'm curious to see how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you may or may not know that in the last couple of weeks has been the anniversary of Tom Petty's uh, death and birthday are both roughly sim- similar times to each other. So I, did not I thought I'd give you Sorry. a bit of a uh, Tom Petty quiz trivia. Mm
1: hmm.
0: Um, so I gave you to listen a song called I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. It's a pretty famous song by him from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of the things Tom Petty is known for is having a lot of very famous friends. And so I'm wondering if you can tell me who plays either the drums
1: or the guitar solo in that song. Oh, man. Um, I mean, is I, the drumming done by Ringo? yes
0: okay oh. That's half a point. <laughs>
1: i'm really surprised i got that one um i i did you not can, anticipate you can,
0: you can probably guess the guitarist then too
1: um oh i mean is it paul mccartney
0: it is not paul mccartney it's in fact george harrison
1: was he still alive sorry i don't yeah. know the time frame sorry <laughs> i was like I was like, well, George Harrison died quite a while ago now, I suppose. I'll,
0: I'll give you a hand. George Harrison died in 2001. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh, my
1: goodness. So, see, as you- <laughs> see, I don't know my Beatles history.
0: <laughs> That's right. You may know that they had a band called the Traveling Wilburys, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. This is around the same time as that. So actually, <laughs> the song was also co-written by... The singer from the Electric Light Orchestra, Jeff Lynn. I don't know if you
1: know EO very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know Jeff Lynn more than I do EO. So, so this, is a,
0: this is a very, like, as close as you could get to the Traveling Wilburys, just without Bob Dylan, basically. It's <laughs> probably why nice. it sounds nice to actually sing and listen to. Anyway, I thought it'd give you a bit of trivia.
1: Nice. I, you know what I thought of listening to that song? I thought of Nora and the Whale. Um, and that's because I feel like some of the vocal slides that Noah and the Whale do are reminiscent of Tom Petty. I don't know. That's yeah. just me. I was like, oh, okay. I see some influences. I mean, anyway. Tom
0: Petty's like a pretty influential American artist from the eighties. You can yeah. say. I
1: think, I, I think I've heard some of his stuff, but just never intentionally listened to it. So, sorry.
0: Well, I will say that the slide guitar solo in that song is probably the most quintessential George Harrison thing, like this side of Liverpool. Basically, if you listen to him, it's like I, so George Harrison.
1: Yeah, I just am not as deep into the Beatles lore as you are.
0: Shame on you, sir. <laughs> I'll give you ha- I'll give you half a point for Ringo.
1: I, the reason I said Paul was that. Um, I know that he also plays guitar, and I wouldn't put it past him doing a solo as well, but maybe he's not <laughs> that good, I don't know.
0: Uh,
1: all right. Uh, be, do you have a- sorry, just on this, doesn't Paul McCartney <laughs> play the intro of um, uh, the start of Sergeant Peppers, um, that like riff? Does he do all that?
0: Ooh. At How least I've seen know. him
1: do it live when he's sung it solo, when he's been doing solo stuff. I think he does it live.
0: Anyway. I mean, he, yeah, he, he plays, he, he's a very competent guitar player. There are a number of solos, the later Beatle catalog, that he's also a part of as well.
1: Okay, cool. I'll drop it now.
0: <laughs> so we can talk about the Beatles more if you like. Uh, I'm just that. Uh, do you have any catch ups, sir? I have a tiny bit.
1: Yeah, just one. Um, I listened to Julia Jacqueline. Um, just the song put oh, yes. on the podcast. Yeah, she's really nice. I I will definitely keep an ear out for her. It was it was quite different. It was um kind of uh yeah, less less poppy than I was thinking, a bit more singer songwriter style. And I really liked it. So I'll keep yeah. listening.
0: Julia Jaclyn is quality. She put out an album uh last year. That was really good. Nice. Um, I uh, listened to that Sun Lux track you put up. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a word that like is more than polyrhythm? Because this is like, there's like a bazillion polyrhythms in this song. It's,
1: I mean, it's not really polyrhythm, but what he, I feel like, what they draw on is almost, um, they're pulling the time as well. So sometimes the part is just a little slow or fast, like it's dragging deliberately. Yeah. And that's that's hard to do as well because then you've got these like, un, like not very kind of simple gaps between, you know, percussive parts. It's, I mean, it is just essentially polyrhythms, you know, triplets on top of duplets on top of whatever, um, which is nice. <laughs> I,
0: I like the whatever part of
1: it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't, given a close analysis i'm waiting till the full album comes out um oh and they've got a listening party coming up for anyone who's interested so um check that out the album comes out early december but they do these listening parties where you can buy tickets um and you get a free copy of the album too and uh so yeah if you're interested check that out um
0: also i uh I watched a, a Joji live concert that he put on in the last weekend. oh nice um called the extravaganza it's it's been interesting to see how different people different musicians have tackled this kind of watch from home concert idea. Hmm. Um, so some people like still grab very heavily onto the idea of like let's put on like a genuine regular concert and just kind of play and hmm. then some people have gravitated much more to the performance art kind of side of it, which is like a big thing back in the seventies, but hasn't really been on stage in a while. Mm. Um, you know, you to know, a concert people just kind of get up and play and it's less of a, an art piece. And um it was interesting to watch Joji cause he put on this like weird kind of visceral oddball carnival performance, hmm. like, like kind of half magic show. Like he's sitting in a dunk tank trying to sing and like a dunk? Man and scales- a dunk tank sorry um you know i don't know if you've been to a carnival like oh you have that chair oh, over like yeah, a pool like of the- water
1: and you get a, something thrown at the target and you get dropped in yep gotcha.
0: yeah and so like he's he's trying to sing all the music's going on in the tank and like people in skeleton costumes are like chucking balls to try and dunk him <laughs> while he's trying to sing and the song just ends after he gets dunked and it's like onto the next thing it was really interesting.
1: That's that's cool. I, I dig that. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was nice that he just it was trying something else. I, I really enjoyed that part of it.
1: Nice. I I must confess I I have not bitten the bullet very much with any of these online concerts. Um yeah. partly because sometimes they're always streaming at weird times of the night for me <laughs> or <laughs> or morning. And I'm just like I don't have the energy um to be kind of setting my alarms for all these random times. Sometimes it aligns, sometimes it doesn't, but um, yeah. That's
0: a very Australian problem to have. I'm sorry, but that's <laughs>
1: reviews. Yes, onto the reviews. Um so I've been listening to a mammoth album by a band called Colexico. Um now Calexico, I know this is this is a re- regular theme, my mum. But um are one of my mum's favourite bands and I don't know how many years she's been telling me to listen to them for. Um, and I felt like a bit of a bad son, so I was like, all right, I'm going to find one of their albums and just go for it. So I listened to an album called The Thread That Keeps Us um, and this is it's the deluxe edition, the only one I could find. It's um, huge. Online. Yeah, it's 22 songs, I think. Um, and it's uh, so... Calexico are from the south of of America, um, but closer to like the Mexico borders. I mean, like closer to, um, I think they're from Arizona or something like that. Yeah, Tucson or something like that. Yeah, and so they're known as uh, different genres like desert noir and desert (laughs) rock kind of thing. Um, So if you want a kind of broad sweeping brushstroke, they're very... Uh, very diverse in their genres and they pull influences from like um, mariachi sorts of sounds a bit of brass some parts that are almost a little bit scar and and then you've got also influences i'd say like for me it feels like wilco meets leonard cohen meets rufus wainwright so you've got these like americana sort of folk vibes but then the singing and storytelling almost feels like Rufus and Leonard Cohen like it's really interesting i I've, I've enjoyed the album it's been a struggle to be able to pick apart every part of it um but there have been songs that i've like woken up with in my head and i know that that's a sign that they're kind of like really strong and they're really unique um so i'll just give you kind of a a little bit of a uh, general vibe Like I said, there are so many genres, it just seems to change and change and change. And I was actually um, chatting about that with my mum and she's like, that's what I really like because it keeps me interested the whole way through (laughs) that there's like all these different changes. And so some songs, um, yeah, kind of feel like this, like feel like they could be a Wilco song, the opening song, which I really enjoy. um, It's called (laughs) the end of the world with you. I always love openers.
0: I, it's funny that you say it's a Wilco song. I, I listened to a couple of these and that one to me sounded so much like a Crowded House song. Okay. I don't know like a lot listen- of Crowded House. So, Like I, li- I listened to it and I was like, is that like Tim and Neil Flynn like as <laughs> Americans? It was so uncanny to me.
1: There you go. Yeah. I guess it got uh, what you've listened to. You can kind of apply. So oh to me, goodness. I, sh- I should listen to a bit more Crowded House. You've got to give me, like, a good album to listen to and start with. <laughs> sure. Put it on the list. I don't want to have to work for this man. Okay. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> so I really like the opener. And throughout it, you'll hear little smatterings of instrumental tracks. So there'll be one which is like a a waltz with all this brass, the unconditional waltz, I think it's called. Um, there's this one song called... Uh, where is it under the wheels like and it constantly changes from this like um during the verse it's like almost ska guitar and some brass with like this almost festival sounding organ and then the chorus is like really a bit more moody and like minor acoustic guitars that kind of thing so it's it was really interesting these chopping and changing but the three favorite tracks for me were end of the world with you bridged to nowhere and lost inside and i think they just have beautiful melodies like i mm. i really loved listening to this album because there was just so much um so much kind of good writing i think it's just two guys as the main band and then they get a whole bunch yeah. of other people in so um yeah um i like how experimental some things were um it reminded me of so many different artists, but I just want, I don't want to kind of reference too many. I, I just enjoyed them in and of themselves. <laughs> I thought that they were, yeah, really well kind of put together. And um, do you want to tell me what you thought?
0: Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately didn't have a ton of time to stick any teeth in it. I actually want to go back and listen to more of it because I do love, you know, well done alternative country Americana kind of stuff. Mm. Um, Aside from like, just really tickling the part of my crowded house brain with the first song I um from the from the Tibbets that I did listen to I yeah it seems interesting I can tell that it's kind of hard to like kind of dive into a little bit I, I found it hard to like uh pick a place on the album and listen to it but mm. I guess if I listened to the whole thing it would be a bit easier
1: yeah it'd help if it wasn't the deluxe version sometimes I just I want to push them away and just focus on the core album yeah,
0: same. Yeah. I, I get that.
1: Yeah. But um, no, I I thought it was good. So um, if you're interested in some desert noir, then go and check out some Colexico. <laughs> and um <laughs> my mum was so excited that I was listening to Colexico. She literally sent me like the best off list of her favorite songs and then pre-ordered <laughs> me their latest album. <laughs> What's that? I was like, it's whoa, whoa, I'm cool. I'll get I'll get there. But um you know, I don't. I don't do best of. I'd much rather just listen to an album by album sort of thing. But that's okay. I, if I if I need it, I'll go back to the list. Yeah. So, uh, what have you been listening to?
0: Uh, yeah. So I have been uh, turning over the Last Strokes album. Mm-hmm. Um, this last two weeks a bunch. So this came out earlier this year. And I didn't really like it that much upon initial listens. And I've kind of been like slow burning maybe once or twice a month since then. Hmm. And something just clicked for me in the last week. Um, I don't know what exactly, but this has gone from kind of like, oh, this isn't that good to, oh, this is like really, really great. Hmm. Um, So... Let me just talk. So, the Strokes are probably one of my favorite bands of like the early two thousands. Um, like this kind of uh garage rock, rough aesthetic, um, doing so much in songs with very little. It's kind of like their mark. Hmm. Um, and like earlier, their songwriting was really tight. Like, I think hard to explain a song off their first album is one of my favorite songs of like the last three decades almost. Um, Wow. And and, uh, their last couple albums have been pretty mediocre. I think they've been like, you know, Uber produced kind of lacking that like tight creativity. Hmm. Um, And this new album is a huge step away from that, I think. And I think the name of the album, the new abnormal kind of goes with that. Like a lot of these songs are longer like five minutes. Um, there's like lack of drums, lack of bass, not as many like guitar solos or melody lines. Hmm. Um, you have falsetto from the lead singer, which is really not a thing on other albums. Um, okay. But the tight writing, the tight songwriting is still there underneath it all. It's like new tools used to make like good songs. And it's really interesting to me to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um I think the song that best encapsulates this kind of experience for me is the last song on the album. Um it's called Ode to the Mets.
1: Yeah, I listened I listened to the ones that you recommended and that was very interesting.
0: Yeah, so I think it's I think that song kind of displays what this album does for me. So it has like the kind of three parts to it. And like the first bit of the song it's kind of minimalistic. Um, like, there's no drums until he asks for them. You know, drums, please, fab, which I think is hilarious. And then...
1: it's <laughs> um, very Mike Oldfield.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, it's... Uh, I'll digress. It's uh, a reference to a live show they played where the drummer just missed his cue, and so the singer oh. just started asking him for them, basically. Clever. Uh, they played 2019. Um And then they kind of got the midsection with like a guitar solo and harmony, which is kind of like their old stuff. And then the end of the song turns into pretty much like an old stroke song. It's very, very reminiscent of their old music. The last half of the song at like the four minute mark. Hmm. And he starts singing about um, like gone are the old times. Um, Where is it? Only thing that's left is us. So pardon the silence. Like he starts like the song starts referencing that like, actually we've moved on from who we used to be. And so this kind of uniting in this one big song is kind of what the band's about now. Um, Hmm, That's fascinating. Yeah. That's kind of like what I, I think that's what kind of ticked it for me as this album, because it's, it's more musically complex and some of the production is a little like kind of whack. Um, Like at the door was
1: um, yeah. one of the singles you sent me way back um, in an early episode. And I liked that one. I thought that was quite cool, but it was very, you know, with the animated video clip and and the sound, that was not what I expected of the Strokes. Yeah, it's so different. Even though I don't different. know much of them.
0: Um, it's so, so different. And then, so I think this album, like some parts of it are kind of meh. I don't love all of it. um. But to me, it's really, really nice to hear an album from these guys that isn't super basic and kind of meh anymore, um, hmm. but actually is like a jump in a direction done well. Um, yeah. And I think some of the songs on this are like actual, you know, strokes, some of the, some of the best work in a decade.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah the the slow burn this album definitely took a long time to warm up to
1: those you know they say that those albums stay with you the longest um yeah i mean i don't know if it always works obviously but yeah i have noticed that that sometimes is the way but that's cool i i um i gave it i'm pretty sure i gave it a full listen through i listened to half the album one day and then the second half another day um i yeah. hope i didn't miss any tracks but i I tried to listen to the three that you mentioned. And, yeah, there seemed to be, yeah, quite a lack of drums on some songs and more kind of a lot of synthy stuff. And um, I like, I mean, I must confess, was Bad Decisions one of the other songs you sent me, Um, one of the Mm, singles? uh,
0: A while ago, yeah.
1: Yeah. I quite liked that upon re-listening. I thought it was quite fun. So I don't Uh, really know much of their normal back catalog so yeah
0: yeah that that song's very derivative that's a bad word it's very akin to their old stuff um almost like to a point where they're kind of taking the mickey out of themselves for making it i don't know like it's right it's the one that gets played on the radio from this album because it's you know very strokes like in quotations yeah 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 um but it stands out on the album as being a bit different, I think, now that like you listen to the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I um I remember when they have had singles, you know, on the radio in the past and I've listened to it and enjoyed a couple, but I must confess yeah. I don't really have a clear view in my head what the strokes are like, what they what you know, what they even look like, or kind of <laughs> their PR and that sort of thing. So it yeah, I'm yeah. kind and of shooting like, in the dark. But yeah.
0: Just like prime. Um, two thousands indie New Yorkers, just like shaggy hair. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll put hard to explain in the playlist because I think that song encapsulates the best of the early strokes to me. Cool, and kind of put that together with the other stuff. Um, but yeah, solid solid album. Give it a listen.
1: Great, I will give it a re listen.
0: All right, so uh, this week I gave. Um, Asher, the only album by Seattle-based supergroup The Postal Service, um, who have received numerous cease and desists from the United States Postal Service. Um, <laughs> so The uh, Postal Service is made out of the death Cab for cutie frontman, Ben Gibbard, who does most of the vocals, um, and then an electronic artist called Jimmy Tamborello, or otherwise known as Dental, I think is his artist name, And then the lead singer of the defunct indie pop group, Rilo Kylie, um, Jenny Lewis does a lot of background vocals as well. Um, So this album is kind of a bit of a, a one-off enigma of the early two thousands as basically everyone I ever talked to about this album has loved at least some part of it. Mm. And they just kind of release this into the world without any, Real hype or knowledge about it. It got a ton of attention on the indie circuit, and they've never released anything else. Basically, um, they only toured it like for the first time, like in twenty eighteen. Um, right. Uh, and that's and when they did it, that video. Yeah, yeah, and it has a bunch of like indie hits on it, like such great heights, or my personal favorite, um, we will become silhouettes, and it's yeah, um, a, a very. I think it's pretty one of a
1: kind. Anyway,
0: what did you think, sir?
1: Um, yeah, it is a bit of an enigma, isn't it? I, so my first introduction to the Postal Service was when you sent me this video, a fake audition <laughs> video for who was going to be the lead singer of the Postal Service. And Jimmy's sitting there with some random dude. I, I should probably know his name. He's probably some famous. Um, and they're yeah. interviewing all sorts of artists to become the lead singer. And you know they get everyone from Tom Tom DeLonge to um, Weird Al Yankovic to Moby to uh, all sorts of famous people. Yeah, tons and, of people. Yeah, and then it arrives on uh, Ben Gibbard, who's wearing a weird wig. <laughs> anyway, I was I, like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's a wig or not. To be honest, it
0: was sorry, the early two thousands. Things are different then.
1: <laughs> I was like. I have no idea what this band is, uh, but this is kind of funny. And you know what? That video has influenced me as I've listened to it because I think I like Weird Al Yankovic's version. Well, I don't know if I like it more, but it comes to mind more. His version of um, uh, We Will Become Silhouettes, I kind of wake up with this polka version, polka version, in my head of this song rather than the actual song on the album. (laughs)
0: We have talked about our love for Weird Al off-air. Oh, and man. I, I think, like, that version, he does a very great interpretation of what this album would be like as a polka record.
1: <laughs> I wonder if they gave it, they gave it to him because there's a little bit of accordion in the recording. <laughs> and that, they were like, maybe you should do this one. Yeah, we, I feel like I've, like, looked a lot around this record. So I listened to um, Ben Folds' cover of um, Mm. Such Great Heights as well, which we talked about a long time ago when we were talking about what Prepared Piano was. And that was pretty cool. Like, I loved the foil on the hammers and stuff like this. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I digress. The album itself. The album (laughs) itself, um, you're right. It's really funny. I was looking at how famous this album is, but going, like, it's cool. Like, there's, there's some songs I really love on it, some songs that are a bit boring and Mm. and there's there's not many songs and so that kind of doesn't leave much and then it there's no other follow-ups i'm like huh okay i'm just wondering why it got so big but i guess that's the nature of music we don't always know um so this reminds me very heavily of like high school years when artists would have these really dry almost nasally vocals like on top of electronica slash um, rock. Like there was, a, I, I think it's a band called May, M-A-E. They were like a Christian punk band, very similar sort of sound, um, but just the vocal sound where it's like really thin and pointed. Like I yeah. kind of dig it. I, I quite like it. So, yeah, it's like this is kind of electronica in the vein of baths, but not really as glitch poppy. It's, Mm. it's that same kind of pop electronica with, with vocals, but it's kind of a little bit more. Yeah. It feels a lot older. Like, yeah, it feels like the early thousands in what the kind of stuff they use, the samples. And I think the drum samples on the last track or something really remind me of that era. Um, yeah, I like the bleeps and bloops. Um, some of the stuff, <laughs> some of the, the one of the songs, oh man, I so, I'm so distracted sometimes by association and I've got to like get back. But one of the songs, I think at such great heights, reminded me of a Jimmy Eat World song. And so then I listened to Bleed America <laughs> and I'm just like, get your brain back on track. Just focus on the album. But it was just so nostalgic instantly. I was like, oh great, let's listen to Jimmy Eat World. Anyway, um so my favorite songs were The District Sleeps Tonight, which is an opener and I like openers. Um <laughs> Clark Gable was probably my second favourite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I really like the narrative in that one where he's talking about faking this big romantic scene, you know. Um, and it just the lyrics and the music were really perfect. I thought that it was really good. Um also Such Great Heights is a great track. Yeah, I mean you can't really deny it it's it's good and then yeah. also yeah will we become silhouettes was really nice so i i kind of i liked this combo of getting in yeah ben gibbard to sing it i must confess i don't know much of death cab cutie um but i like no. his i like his voice and i thought it worked really well with this this um yeah the backing of this kind of it's not totally electronic like there's guitars and there's drums and stuff but it was a good combo kind of and it's almost like a collaboration uh, more than it is a band but I don't know
0: it's interesting that you appreciate often one of the things I find people dislike is Ben Gibbard's vocals kind of turn them off at first listen
1: I Um, like them I, I dig it
0: yeah yeah, Th- this is definitely the entryway drug for me to Death Cab for Cutie. Um, okay, I'd, I'd never listened to anything by them before. Like, so this is peak like 2005 for me as like a teenager. Is like Postal Service and like Demon Days by the Gorillas. So these are, like two like the big right. albums from yeah. around that time for me. Um, I'm curious. So, what did you think about the the last song on the album, the Natural Anthem? Because it's kind of uh, very much not.
1: <laughs> yeah, it didn't do it for the, me. Yeah. I I must confess, like, I think I skipped it or got halfway through it. Was like, okay, I'm I'm a bit bored now. Um <laughs> I yeah, is that the yeah, I can't remember it to be honest, but I don't remember liking it very much. Sorry.
0: <laughs> That's fine. It's very it's a very different song than the rest of the album. I was just curious what you thought about
1: them. Hmm. It's it's an interesting album, like like you say, I think for me, it, it's like about a six and a half, like there are some yeah. really good tracks and then there are some ones that are like a bit boring and it's not blow me away kind of album, but I, I did enjoy listening to it. Like I, the parts I enjoyed, I really enjoyed and had in my head and the parts I didn't enjoy, just, I didn't give a second thought.
0: Yeah, admittedly, I think this was a, what would you call it, a softball, an underhand throw for you. I think this album's pretty easy to listen to.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, um, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it because I'd heard of the Postal Service. I didn't know yeah. this was their only album until, like, Closer Inspection. I thought that they were they, a bigger band.
0: They have some, like, deluxe edition extra tracks and that kind of stuff, um, okay. but this is their only actual real release that they've ever
1: made. Right. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for that. Um, so I gave you, this is the reference at the start of the show to gibberish, Icelandic gibberish. Um, I have had on my list for ages to give Josh some sigurros and I was toying up between tuck and parentheses or brackets um, and I chose to give him brackets and parentheses. This is one of my... Uh, it's probably the favorite album by Sigaros for me. Um, okay, it's. I mean, it could be that the way It's the one I started with, um, but upon listening to most of their back catalog, uh, it is the one that has stood out to me. This album is from two thousand and two, and kind of came after they had kind of launched into the world off their previous album, which I've struggled to pronounce. Svenni. <laughs> whatever, Um, and it is an interesting album in that when I first picked it up, it had zero text on it. I think it had the word Siguros, but there are no track names, there is no album name, there is no Mm -hmm. details about who's on the album. I was flying blind, um, but it became (laughs) one of my favourite albums and I'll probably talk about why a little bit later, but first I want to hear... What did you think of Parentheses?
0: Yes, please. Um, So I've dabbled uh, a tiny bit with uh, Siguraths in the past. Um, Mostly uh, Algaitis Birion, the one with the space um, fetus on it. Um, And uh, some of the parts, I forgot the the one with all the butts on it. I can't pronounce that one. Uh, uh,
1: Medsud Irem and the Last or something like that. With ringing in our ears, we run forever or something. (laughs) Um. Thanks to
0: my older brother For like having those And maybe taking a stab at them I, So uh, The last time I listened to Sigur Rós Maybe seriously I'd never even heard of the idea of post-rock before They just kind of like existed Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what genres were at that point This was like 15-18 years ago Mm -hmm. Um, And so some of the markers to me About Sigur Rós is A. A lot of Icelandic sounding things which may or may not be real words. Um, lots of ambient backgrounds, but with real analog instrumentation. And a lot of ebos, lots of yes. ebos. Um, for those who don't know, an ebo is a guitar device which functions as an electronic like bow, like you would have in a cello or a violin. Um, it resonates the strings for you. And um,
1: physical bows, did you say physical bows?
0: Uh, also, physical. They are lots of yeah. bows and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and their band is like half the population of Iceland. Um, so I think uh, one of the reasons why I haven't quite gotten into cigarettes is I don't. To me, they feel like they don't do enough. Um, like they don't quite. Um, I don't express this. They have all this like wonderful background stuff to build with. I don't quite get to the point where I think I would enjoy it. So by far, my favorite song of theirs so far is Gobbledygook. Um,
1: <laughs> and that was is a, much more... Oh, that was a sorry. big standout. No, no, no. I interrupted you because for the four people who had been listening up until that point, when Gobbledygook struck, it was like, oh my goodness, what is what's happening like there's so much yeah. action
0: <laughs> it's so active in comparison to all their other music <laughs> and it's like a <laughs> it's like a four minute song and there's like drums and like background percussion and it's much more involved i think and that's the kind of stuff i i would like more by them i
1: feel like, like Bjork less has paid played percussion with them when they do that song <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um anyway so um, I started listening to brackets. I've read that this is two halves. This album, yes, yep. Um, which I can I can definitely tell by listening to it. Um, you have the first section, the first four songs, which are brighter and optimistic, and you have the back four, which are much more melancholic. Mm-hmm. Um, the light and dark.
1: Yeah. And there's actually thirty seconds of silence between the two on the album version.
0: <laughs> yeah, that confused me the first time I listened to it because I didn't yeah. know that. I was like, is yeah. the album just over? Like, what's happening? Yeah. There's, there's more songs after this. I know there are. <laughs> um, I think I uh, much preferred the first half of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, the the kind of the bright textures and melodies—they're really snappy and well-defined and they get their point across without taking too much time, I think. Mm. Um, Cause. Okay. It's hard to explain what one of the general emotions of this music is the singer using um, Icelandic sounding fake words to try and portray emotion through them. Mm. And I think they are it's much more of a concrete idea in the first half of, of the album. Um, getting this kind of, like, positivity across. Because um, the the second half really trudges for me. Like, the songs are, like, much longer and much sparser, much darker. And quite um, intense. And quite intense. The last two especially, the the second last song is basically just, like, a build-up for, like, a insane musical eruption that takes, like, 11 minutes. Um I think the last song I liked out of the back half the most, it's much yeah. more, um, again, much more involved with drums. There's more things happening. That's um,
1: nicknamed the pop song. <laughs> um, I'm a terrible and, person. Uh, no, no. And it's, and it's um, often their f- closing song because it's absolute oh. chaos by the end. And literally yeah. they leave the stage with feedback everywhere. It's kind of like the chaos ending.
0: Yeah. So I think yeah, the, the first half appeals to me much more. Um we have these like twinkling keyboards and mm. I don't know what you I don't know what it is in the first song like high modulated vocals that have been like yeah. overlaid. Yeah, he does um, a lot of
1: these like squeaky almost mouse vocals, but they're somehow not corny.
0: Yeah, it sounds I don't know, it sounds really um nostalgic, like a old vinyl kind of warble on a vocal sound. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, But yeah, tell me why you you like this album. If I was to guess, I would say you like the back half more than the front half, but I could be wrong about that.
1: Or I don't know if I can actually, I I divide it in my head, but I don't know if I can say which one I prefer more. Um, (laughs) So um, for me, I think this blew me away because of the, it felt so intimate. It felt like they were all reading each other. So particularly, mm. I think it's track seven, Untitled Seven, where the snare controls the tempo. Like you have these big build-ups and they actually speed up throughout the song and then they have to slow down again and that snare lets them know and signals when and how they're going to come back into the verse or the verse in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> And so there's so much control and it seems like they're reading each other really well. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those songs were performed live and recorded live because they'd just be impossible to play to a click track. And it just felt like the most organic and real of their releases. Um, Tark is beautiful, but it's a lot more kind of controlled. And Mm. I do like a little bit of chaos. I do like a little bit of something that's not really as repeatable and i don't know i I don't know i'm making up kind of things as i go along about why (laughs) i just love this i just really love this album um a few things the first half of the album is really gorgeous so songs Mm. like untitled three um for me that blew me away when i was in my first year of uni of like this repeated ostinato the Um, that one and so that's in 3-4 and then all the chords are in 4-4 and the progression is like eight or nine chords long so what happens is that the accent is different every time on that melody so sometimes it's so it's on a different beat of the the melody at different times, depending upon the where the chord is. and I just love that use of overlaying two different phrase lengths and i it tickled my interests um so I love that um track four uh actually is apparently on a movie called Vanilla Sky and it got a little bit famous because it was out in the world and they started doing more performances but it's one of the, probably the most um, accessible songs on the album and I just found it very beautiful I just love the way um, they use electric guitar and the way that they write these songs and his voice and there was just so many textures that I loved I just wanted to hear more of it and then the second half of the album yeah these darker songs were just i found i found the builds and it was probably my first introduction to post rock um it was was it yours did you say
0: uh yeah yeah a long yeah. time ago yeah
1: i i just found this like new way of writing kind of symphonic music with rock instruments fantastic i just loved it so um yeah i think for me the core is this Raw, very live sounding album. And yeah. I love that. So they, yeah, they had an interesting time. So after, I, I said before the wrong album name, you were right, Agatus Burgeon or something. Um, after that, they kind of got a bit more popular, popular. They performed on Letterman, I think, and they were becoming bigger. And so some of these songs here then launched them a bit further with being on in a movie and this sort of thing. Um, and then, then they released around the time of Tark, that movie Hema, which is where they did a tour of Iceland. Like they were, they were really exhausted from world tours and, and kind yeah. of like this new level of fame. And so they went back home and did all these free concerts around Iceland. And a lot of the songs in that are based on those previous three albums. I mean, there's also Von as well, which I haven't listened to a ton. um, but I don't know. Cigaros have just been a band which I have loved for so long. <laughs> um, with so many, they've just done so many really interesting things. I must confess, I have dropped off the the Cigars bandwagon probably about after um, uh, the one after Medsurum in the last. Um, okay. What's it called? Oh, I've forgotten the name of it. Anyway,
0: I. I couldn't pronounce it or spell it for you anyways. That's fine.
1: I can barely pronounce and spell any of
0: their names. <laughs> but, What, yeah. was, what, was, what was
1: the uh, film
0: you took me to see? Oh, Which, that um, one.
1: That was, um, man, I, it, it's been so long. It, it's a live film of, oh, it's called Innie. That's right. Um, Innie. Okay. Yeah, it was a live film of a concert. and But they just filmed, <laughs> what they did was they filmed the concert um, digitally, and then they projected the film onto a wall and, like, effected the film with physical objects, like passing the film through glass and that sort of thing. And then they recorded the projection onto, um, like, film, 35 millimeter or something, and then they made that into the film. <laughs> so it was I an art, it being a, art concert.
0: <laughs> I remember it being a, an assault to the senses. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and they would have finished with track eight of this album um, okay. because it's yeah. For a long time, they were just always finishing with that. So, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, but basically, this album <laughs> I feel like is a pretty it's a pretty important part of their career, um, mm. and I think that it it might. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to stop there. It was important. I think it's great. I think you should listen to it yeah. if you don't know it. And uh, uh, thanks for listening to it. I'm sorry if it's a bit of a drag, but yeah.
0: No, no, it's it's very different. I, I don't I don't like using the word unique. It, their approach to making music is very different, and mm. um, I think you can quite see how it's expressed in this album very well, especially with the like uh, analog and like creative element to it. Um, mm. I will say I got rather tired of the language by the end of the album. Yeah. Um, not that I'll be able to tell if it was real Icelandic anyways, but to me it, it kind of felt like the repetition of the same phrases constantly.
1: It will, yeah, really he does st- use the same phrases and you, oh. at first you kind of go, that's really interesting. And then at times it can be getting a little bit old and you want to hear some sort of different, vowel different sound
0: yeah it yeah. F- it feels weirdly disingenuous to me like he's just kind of like making noises because he has to <laughs> I'm, sure really that's not that the- feeling, I'm sure that's not the case yeah. no
1: no no i can imagine how you feel that um i haven't had that feeling per se um but it is a very interesting choice to sing in what he calls hopelandic which is yeah this made up <laughs> language um I think it's an interesting choice when you've got already a language which most people don't understand, like Icelandic, (laughs) to then sing in something else again is very, very interesting. And then to have it become popular is interesting.
0: If somebody did this in English, it would be just unanimously hated, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So just like making random English vowel sounds to try and purvey emotion rather than like actual words.
1: Well, be, I don't know. The Splatoon, out of the, country. the Splatoon soundtrack did that.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, we're going to get soundtracks. Um, all right. That's, I, think that's <laughs> I think we're done. I think we're done. I've stopped
1: rambling. All right. Shall we move on to Honorable Mentions? Yeah, let's do it. I've got another Sigur Honorable Mention. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sigur have just released um uh, an 18-year-old <laughs> album um. Called Odin's what? Raven Magic, which is a live performance um, that they were commissioned to do with some Icelandic poets, and it's like an orchestral suite with involving um, a slate marimba and <laughs> you know all their sigaros instruments and an orchestra so, and stuff. Sorry, there's a whole lot to take in in that sentence right there. Look, if you've seen Hema, you'll understand because in Hema they go and visit this guy in the countryside who makes slate marimbas and he just gets all the tone. Like he finds pieces of slate which have a good tone and then like crafts them into notes, etc. It would have been a nightmare though (laughs) to get the intonation. I imagine the orchestra had to tune to them. I don't know. So I just remember this track from from when I was in uni. There was one track online and now they're releasing the whole album, which is pretty amazing. So... Yeah. And um they've always done some really interesting stuff in conjunction with Icelandic poets. Um they released some stuff on Bandcamp a while ago, um, which was really cool. So um yeah, I like the way that they involve their kind of traditions a lot as well. It's very, very Icelandic um in tone. So uh and then okay, here's another one. This is a Finnish pop artist who I've been listening to. So um <laughs> it's not that it, you understand why I know about it. So the Fall Guy soundtrack from a few weeks ago, um, made uh-huh. by Kukio... Um, I never know how to pronounce his name. Where is it? Good luck. <laughs> Just looking. Okay. So his name Good is... Luck. Oh, so Juk- Jukio Kalio. Um, and I cannot pronounce the name of the album. It's like Kuvang Kal- Kalnis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a beautiful album. It's kind of like, I mean, so it's Finnish. It's not Icelandic, but there are a lot of very similar sort of sounds, but it's really poppy and really dancey and electronic. And it's so good. Um, Yeah. If you get a chance, check out this album. It's his, his falsetto is incredible. Like I just, I don't know how he sings like that. It's amazing. Um. thirdly, um, so quick short story. Um, my mum sent me an old reel to reel tape that she had found. She thought it had a cover (laughs) that she'd done at one point on it. It turned out to be just a mixtape of like her favorite songs, like the Beatles and the birds and stuff like that, which is cool. (laughs) Um, because I was import, I was just recording it from my reel to reel onto my computer, but John Ringhoffer of Half a Cloud was jokey about it. He's like, "Oh, well, maybe it'll turn out to be another Sybil um, Bayer album. And I didn't know who Sybil Bayer was. And so I checked her out and she is a singer-songwriter who recorded an album when she was younger and then her son discovered it like 30 years later or something like that and, oh, yeah. and then released it. And so it's this beautiful album called The Color Green which it's kind of like a chilled Joni Mitchell. Um, really beautiful mm-hmm. nylon string acoustic guitar, this gorgeous voice, and these really intimate songs. So um yeah, I recommend checking it out. I, I really enjoyed it. And so um props to John Ringhoffer for that one. Thanks for putting me onto that. <laughs> um and uh lastly, um, I don't know if you know King's Kaleidoscope, but uh they're like a they're an ex, um, like church band from a a mega church in Seattle. That uh, when yep. that church uh, crumbled, uh, this was Mars Hill when it fell apart. Um, they kind of went out on their own, doing stuff, and have slowly changed their sound. Um, I mean, uh-huh, okay. they've kind of they've always been very kind of uh, dancey slash kind of rocky. <laughs> yeah. um, But more and more so the lead singer um I've blanked Oh the lead singer is a ex-DJ and so more and more this kind of rap rock sort of brass sort of feel has come in and they just dropped a three-song EP um called Power Perfect or something like that. And it's pretty good. It's um it's it's got some good tracks. I don't love all the tracks on it, but I do love I do love their sound. So yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Kings K are very creative in their arrangements of music. Mm. Cause I remember seeing them once and they have like two drummers and a whole bunch of guitar players. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, they're very proactive in how they like, if they're going to either adapt an older hymn or older standard, they change it a lot. Yeah. Or when they're at their own songs, they're also very, very active. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They've got a lot of creative kind of power in, behind their work. So um, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. And it's a little EP just came out in vinyl. Um, and I think they're planning some new stuff. So okay. yeah, check that out. You,
0: sir? Uh, all right. Honorable mentions. I have a couple big ones, actually. I've been trying to condense them into larger honorable mentions rather than lots of small ones. <laughs> so um, first, um i've been doing a little more uh shoegaze exploration um 2020 has definitely been the year of josh start to enjoy shoegaze (laughs) a lot more um and so i found one. this is a new band a new album by a band called gleamer it's called down through okay um and it's kind of like i don't know if you know this term you know
1: midwestern emo. you know that idea um Um, give me an example like is that um a black parade um no, 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 no. Okay.
0: Um, not like that. Uh, there's a band called American Football. Um, no. Who are like the quintessential Midwest emo. Anyway, so this is kind of like you take a bit of Midwest and emo. I'll, I'll put a American football album in the tracks for you. Mm-hmm. And then you smash it with a bit of shoegaze. And you kind of get this weird, like younger cousin of like um, emo music with kind of pop shoegaze sensibilities. Right. Um,
1: I'm struggling to so picture that. I've been really <laughs> enjoying this
0: album. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit different. It's much cleaner than, like, 90s Shoegaze is. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, this, this has been scratching a particular part of my brain for the last couple of weeks of, like, kind of pop, easy listening, but still having those kind of, like, core Shoegaze sounds of, like, distortion and choruses and reverb and that kind of stuff. It's been really nice. I've been, nice. I recommend Gleamer. They're fun. And you,
1: you also need to mention that you got yourself a nice new reverb pedal. It really is the year of shoegaze for you.
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about that. Yes, that pe- the pedal is. Um, shout out to uh, Walrus Audio pedals. They make probably the most fascinating pedals from my dollar or dime. Yeah, yeah. And they have a reverb pedal. They have two. The one I bought is called the Slow. And it has some beautiful effects on it, but that's beside the point. Um, All right. Uh, Second is an album by a band called The Bahamas, who are Canadian. Okay. Um, uh, The album's called Sad Hunk. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this band is basically one guy who makes music people called Alfie. And it's this kind of... um, weird sub area of like easy listening kind of folk rock with like that kind of islandy vibes to it it's kind of that weird middle ground Mm. like not quite you know jack johnson um yeah but like getting towards that and but with like more pastels so he released a new album and bahamas are kind of one of those bands that every so often like i'll tune into what he's doing and like a new song will come out and that'll like actually be like a ripper of a song. He had one a few years ago called lost in the light from an old album, which, which is great. And he's one from his new album, um, which is called trick to be happy. And it's just fantastic. And it's like, this, it's not overly complicated, but it's just really like warm to be around. Like it's great music. Hmm. Um, all right. Third, and this is quick. Um, do you know who Tom Lyra is?
1: No, sorry.
0: Okay, that's fine. So we talked a bit about Weird Al Yankovic in the vein of, like, comedic musicians. Um, There's an old fella called Tom Lira. who's one of my favorite comedic musos, and he's been making music since, like, the 50s. Um, Like, piano pieces. um, uh, What's, like, his famous one? Uh, Anyway, like, they're really acerbic, witty. He was, like, a physics teacher um, before he became a comedian. And so he has songs that are like the Gilbert and Sullivan modern major general, but they're the periodic table. Oh, just like the whole thing. Um, Yes.
1: I I know this on YouTube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's Tom Lear. Right. Um, So he's getting much older now and he just announced um, last week before he dies that he is putting all his music up to a fair use um, copyright. Oh, Cool he just before he dies, he just wants to release his music for people to use. And I think that is uh really cool nice. from him. Um, uh, so he has some horrendously funny songs about, you know, like, cause this is the fifties when he wrote them like Nazis and the nuclear program and stuff like that. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, last but not least, I, uh, I'm taking Asher's crown this week as a video game soundtrack review. I'm so proud. Um, <laughs> I know. I actually blame you mostly for this one. So you um, you like, I don't know what it was, maybe you liked it on Twitter or like a photo of a vinyl record that I had forgotten about and then remembered, which was this beautiful um, two album kind of uh, artistic interpretation of the Journey soundtrack on a pair of vinyl discs mm. that you can't buy anymore. And I was so depressed that you can't buy it anymore that I just started listening to the actual soundtrack again mm. um um so the uh it's for a game called Journey mm-hmm. which came out a long time ago, and the uh musician is austin wintory, yep. wintory um and Journey itself is a quite beautiful game um there's like no words um it's it's the story of like this character walking through the desert and up on top of a mountain, basically. Hmm. And the whole thing is very picturesque and very soundtrack dependent. Hmm. Um, I think at atmosphere is King in this game. And this soundtrack I think is astounding. Uh, from like the beginning half where you're in the desert, there's lots of um, like plucked violet strings. Everything's very dry. Hmm. Um this kind of bowed metallic sounds in the background to try and get the kind of like emptiness vibe to it. And as you get up and towards the mountain, things become more bowed and like long form. Um, And I think the two of the later tracks on the album, I think are um beautiful where like the, you cl- you're climbing this musical peak and this is big chaotic kind of like, like lots of like strumming and like drum sounds and everything's kind of huge. And then it, um, transitions into like a cello and viol- several violin kind of piece, which is like really magnificent and wonderful. Mm. Anyway. Um, I think the journey soundtrack is fantastic. It's one of my favorites.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I got into, um, Austin Wintery around his soundtrack for a band, uh, sorry, a game called tooth and tail. Um, okay. which, which is quite interesting. I think it's a bit more, um, Eastern block sounding, Um, kind of Eastern European, uh, uh, Russian, Slavic sort of thing. Um, But I started following him on Twitter because he's a great musician. I really wanted to be like hearing about his music. But I also found out he is a part of a podcast um, called (laughs) Play, Watch, Listen. Now, it's with Troy Baker, who is a voice actor. You might know him. Yeah, I'm not He trying. was in um Death Stranding recently as well. Um, with Mike uh Blithel, who made Thomas Was Alone. Have you ever played that game? No. Oh man. He's a he's a British game designer. Thomas Was Alone is one of the funniest games. It's it doesn't look like it's a comedy or like kind of it, on the on the outside, but once you play it, you'll find find out. Uh, and then this another another person called Jane. Uh, Joan Alana Pierce, I don't know. But it seems like he's quite involved in this podcast of talking about media and that sort of thing. So I'd be really – I haven't yet got a chance to listen to it, but I imagine it's going to be fascinating. So he seems like a pretty cool okay. composer and writes beautiful music. So props to him.
0: Fancy that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Thank you for listening to this very – um Cosmopolitan themed uh, I don't know What's the what's the word when you have Cosmopolitan qualities I don't know Thanks uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Cosmopolitan Bohemian, e- <laughs> bohemian Episode of what we're listening to um, uh, We hope that you've enjoyed And please check us out on all the socials Twitter, Facebook, Instagram And our website uh, Leave us a comment anywhere of those places and we'd love for you to give us a rating on apple podcasts and boost our position on the charts so that people get to listen to us and become famous and all that sort of thing <laughs> lols um anyway i hope that you have enjoyed and we'll catch you next episode bye see you josh see you,
0: bro.